$100 from you. I am not wearing black underwear, and I definitely do not want to move in with you, Jack. Well, I don't have any flowers. I wouldn't mind seeing the black underwear, but under the circumstances, I don't think we should move in together. <laughs> I thought you were Joe Jr. I get that a lot. <laughs> Do you want to come in? Yeah. yeah. Wedding dress, huh? Hmm? The wedding dress. It works good as a tie, too. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to give you this before all the presents started to pile up. I was dropping off some furniture in Little Italy. I look in the window and. Lawrence. Lawrence. Thank you. It's really beautiful. And I wanted to say that I think that Peter is a very lucky guy. Thank you. I had to say that because you're going to be my sister-in-law. Ah, I guess we'll be seeing a lot of each other then. Welcome to the Cinema 9 Podcast, and thank you for joining us. I am your host, Travis Roy, uh, joined with Eric Branstrom, who's not joining us today, is our regular host, uh, Michael Govier. He got the got the booster, so he's not feeling 100%, which is uh, not great, but it's also, it's awesome that he got the booster. So we'll, we'll yell Taco Bell and uh, yeah, KFC, Wendy's, right, in honor of him. Um, Eric Brands from How is Griffith, Indiana? How you doing, buddy? We're doing fantastic. Uh, you know, I want to wish you personally a happy holiday season, upcoming happy new year. The, uh, thanks for another great year. And uh, yeah, we've had a hell of a run and I'm looking forward to many more. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Happy new year. Uh, it's nice to be bringing in sort of the new year with you here. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll be entering our third year of the podcast 
pretty soon here. And also, now that I've got you in person, I would like to say thank you uh, also for the fine gift of the Talking Sopranos podcast, Woke Up This Morning book. It's an interesting read so far. I've kind of flipped through it. I haven't read the whole thing, obviously. But it's uh, much appreciated. My pleasure. I got another New Year's gift coming your way. So keep your eyes open. <laughs> keep, your, keep your eyes on your front stoop next week. Oh, geez, you spoil me, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with uh with mike gone and uh it's just being the two of us I, we have mm -hmm. we have we have extra time to vamp i feel like, like this wiggle room for the hour and a half to to fill um we should kick mike <laughs> out more often i kid i kid of course um <laughs> but uh what do you want to do first you want to do our quarantine viewing picks or you want to do our, our our top three that we discussed doing let's do the viewing picks and then we can kind of segue you know while you were sleeping by talking romantic comedy that makes sense all right, well, I'll kick things off with my quarantine viewing picks for this week. And it and it is uh, quarantine viewing picks uh, for me. I, I am in quarantine after I enjoyed a nice uh, visit with a lot of family, but uh, unsurprisingly learned afterwards that there has been some exposure. So I, uh, I'm waiting at the moment to see if I've, you know, if I'm incubating or not. So that's always fun. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, uh, but it's also been, uh, you know, a break. So I watched, oh, I watched a lot of fucking. <laughs> All right, bring them on. I got two All weeks right. worth here. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you, you, I'm sure you have a lot to say. Uh, you know, I, I, it was Christmas, so it was Christmas week, so I, I did catch a few more Christmas movies, such as a Disney's Christmas Carol from 2009, which I've seen before, the Robert Zemeckis animated version. Sure. I think it's, I think it's decent. You know, it's, yeah, I, I like it. It's flaws, but I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some other Christmas action. I I really love Judy Garland's version of uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, which I only learned this year is from the movie Meet Me in St. Louis from 1944. So okay. I, I watched that so I could watch that scene. And that was, that was it. I mean, it was okay. It was all right. Okay. <laughs> it was all right. I watched Funny Farm, which is sort of a Christmas oh, movie. I've seen it before. Hilarious. But, you know, it's uh it's hilarious. It's great. It's my it's my least of it's my least favorite of the Jay Cronley novels adapted into film, but uh at least I have the big three. But I, I think it, for some reason it, it it has like this reputation of like not being a vacation movie, so like it's not as appreciated as it should be. But I saw it for the first time in like 30 years over the summer, and I was laughing out loud multiple times. Yeah, I think it, it's always held up to me, man. I, I don't, I don't know, you know, but I think that it kind of bombed when it came out, and it never yeah. really recovered from that reputation, mm. regardless of how good of a film it is. Uh, on Christmas Day, I did a what's his name, Bob Clark. I did a yeah. Bob, Bob Clark uh, double duty, you know, double feature. I did, I did a Christmas story, which I've seen many, many times, and followed it with uh, Black Christmas, which I'd actually <laughs> never seen before. I did them both. Christmas like style. Black Christmas. <laughs> it seemed like a good way to wrap up that holiday for me. And uh, Black Christmas was, you know, I mean, it was hardly a surprise at this point in my life, but I could see why it's the the treasured classic. <laughs> it is for a lot of people. I'm sure it's you know highly influential and that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, he was something. I watched a couple good movies. Um, I watched I watched some really good movies. I watched uh, I watched Encanto, which is probably I'd say that's probably the best thing I watched over break. It's on Disney Plus right now. Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it last night. What'd you think? I thought it was. I thought it was okay. Uh, yeah. The songs were very mumbly for me. <laughs> like I had to turn yeah. like that. I couldn't understand what the fuck anyone was saying in no any idea. of the songs. But no, it's beautiful animation, nice family story. But I did get a little bored, and everyone was very mumbly. I don't know if it was my speaker or what. 
Uh, I don't know about, I mean, I didn't feel like that during the regular dialogue, but I, I mean, I just felt like there was a lot of exposition packed into these songs and I'm like, I yeah. have no idea. It's going so fast. I don't know what they're saying, <laughs> especially that opening number where they're introducing everybody where it kind of leaves us. So I don't know that it's all like that, but it's certainly like that first number is like, I, whatever you're trying to tell me right now, I have no fucking idea I, what's I going on. I wasn't getting it. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I did, movie, I, I did. Yeah. It was a really sweet movie and, and, and I, I enjoy it. It's no Moana, no Moana. No, I, no. I didn't expect you are. it to be. Yeah. Uh, it was really good, though. Um, did you watch Don't Look Up? No, I can't. I can't get into the mode. I know I'm going to need to be in for it. So how was yeah. it? I mean, everyone keeps saying it's a documentary. And yep, that was exactly my sentiment after I watched it, too. Like, you know, it, it, I laughed, but it's like that sad kind of laugh, you know. Yes. Um, it's just kind of uh, Mike's Mike's chirping in to tell us that he's dead inside. So I guess that's oh, how he's feeling. We're sorry to hear about that, I'm Mike. Sorry to hear that, buddy. I don't know how to make, yeah, make it go away. There we go. Um, but glad that he's with it. Glad he's with us. He said he he did not enjoy. Uh, Yikes! That looks like he did not enjoy. Don't look up. He says it's bizarre. But uh, that I, I enjoyed it. Too big. That cast is it's it's too big. <laughs> that cast is enormous. But I mean, it, it, you know it satire is hard to do and this is some big yeah. stuff and i think that like you know in a lot of ways i think this movie will be more appreciated in time it's almost hits too hard between COVID and climate change mm -hmm. um to to really yeah. to really um to work now mike's gonna text us often apparently i he says i love adam mckay yeah uh, i agree buddy he's he's mike mckay is great and uh, i think that this movie's uh not the strongest not his strongest but i do think it's worth seeing you know, uh, you can like look at Doctor Strangelove. Like it can come out in '64, like in, in like the height of the Cold War, and still be hilarious and 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 relevant. Whereas something like this, in 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 its uh, you know, the times we're in with both the pandemic and just like the nation crumbling apart, it's I can't bring myself to be entertained by this right now. I, I can't get into the mindset. Plus, I I fucking hated Vice so much. I, I can't get back to Adam McKay for a little bit. I don't know. Oh, well, you know, yeah. I mean, it's nothing like Vice. I Does he do say. the whole, like, throwing everything with the kitchen sink your way and look at me and blah, blah, blah and all that I shit? I mean, it's, it is very fast-paced. Uh, Mike's commenting that Vice and this is a concerning trend for McKay movies. Yeah, he's clearly got an axe to grind these days, McKay. He's got something he wants to say. And you know what? He's using his position to to try and make some points. That's that's not always the best entertainment, but uh I get what he's doing. Okay. Um what else did I watch? I watched I watched Swan Song getting a lot of uh yeah. love How on uh, on Apple Plus uh who's there's two two movies called Swan Song came out this year um uh, which is very confusing but this is the one with uh um, Mahershala Ali, yeah, which it was very somber, but I enjoyed it. I mean, it was, uh, it's you know, the, the major theme here is a death, and so it's, uh, you know, I put it, I put it on like on a Sunday after mid afternoon kind of thing, so I had time to like build up to it and come <laughs> down. <laughs> uh, yeah. but it certainly it held my attention, you know, okay. it, looked, it looked good, it was well acted. I don't know that it's one of the best movies I watched of the year or anything, but I, I did think it was a pretty decent movie. Yeah, cool. And as far as futurism, like futurism, like you know, predicting that kind of stuff goes, I think there's some. It's it seems poignant. It seems it seems like a lot of the kind of futuristic stuff in there. It, it's presented in a very believable and realistic way. Not like the main, not I mean, not the main thing, but there's a, like the the gadgets and stuff that they're using are all fairly believable. Hmm. Okay. 
After that, um, oh, you know, and then I watched today. I watched The Unforgivable, which I know you watched and Solid. enjoyed. Yeah, Sandra Bullock was fucking insane. Sandra Bullock is outstanding in it. I could see her getting an Oscar nom for it. I, I think that it would potentially be deserved too. I mean, yeah. like she she is really good in it. I, I, I found a few things interesting about the movie, like mm -hmm. the fact that it features not one, not two, but three cast members from season two of Daredevil on Netflix. I thought that was interesting. Okay. I thought it was weird that Viola Davis is in this movie in the role uh, she's in. She's way too bizarre, big a hitter right? to be like yeah. this third tier character like it just didn't make sense i mean even d'onofrio's character mm -hmm. was a little underserved like i'm just kind of like yeah. there's a few things like that happening with it at one point it's made abundantly clear that the character that that sander bullock's playing is supposed to be 39 or so and i'm like That's, yeah ah, yeah i'm like this is this prison, is your but... younger sister you're like 40 years older than her <laughs> like i love you but we got a problem here. Yeah, yeah. She's she's she turns sixty in a couple of years, which I think she, she looks, looks goddamn fantastic. Great. And I think yeah. that she's a wonderful actor, and I, and I love her very much. But it's but like they were they they really like she's playing like I think like a thirty nine year old. She says it one. I mean, she, the character goes to jail for twenty years, and she says she served more than half of her life in prison. I'm like Sandra, Sandra, come on yeah. now. But yeah, you know, <laughs> it it kind of remind it just reminded me of the types of movies that they just don't make anymore. Like like late seventies, like or like we're talking about Brubaker, like mm -hmm. just this character studies about people with an uh, central objective, and there's not just too much shit thrown in it's just i i found it very entertaining i love it. she didn't get a golden globe nomination for vexed actress which i thought was just asinine but fuck the golden globes yeah i mean i think everyone's agreed at this point I mean, they're not even airing on tv no they're not even airing I think but they're officially hit uh obsolescence you know i think people yeah. are done with them good fuck them fuck them then I started watching a bunch of really stupid movies. I don't know what <laughs> came over me. <laughs> uh, the best of which was Eight Legged Freaks from 2002. With okay. It was no dead ant, but it was still pretty good. <laughs> it sure. was pretty good. Uh, I it, it knows what it was and it's yeah. fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, I watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 2014 for some reason. Like oh, Travis. I don't know. I just thought. I'll put on something I won't care about. And I was right. I just wanted something on, I guess. I couldn't fathom why you would make this movie and be like, hey, let's make it from April O'Neil's perspective. I'm like, what? Yeah. what are you thinking? And I was amazed Dude. to learn there's a sequel. I'm like, this this did there well is. enough to get a sequel with Laura Linney in it? With, <laughs> with Laura Linney. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Laura Linney. It's been, like, it's been like a dream of mine to one day, like, be a, if I were to become a filmmaker, I would seriously pitch doing a proper uh you know how these uh direct sequels are all the rage nowadays like from yeah. like old movies do a direct sequel to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 the secret of the ooze get the Jim Henson creature shop back and running and have the actual physical suits that everyone just knows and loves and make a proper sequel i think uh it would still be awesome these cart that the turtles just they look stupid they look like they look like chuds i don't know i, I mean don't know what the hell is going on here there was there was so much wrong with it there's no point in even dissecting it it was just it's true. It was amazing that that they made a second one to me. That this, that it made the money to justify it. You got uh, Will Arnett as Vernon. Come on, <laughs> you get Will Arnett in this thing, and you have him just play a fucking camera yeah, guy. Yeah, Vernon the camera guy. So Stupid. weird. And also having having Will Arnett and William Fickner in the same movie seems like a cheat to me. Wow. Oh, <laughs> Might as well throw Xander Berkeley in there and call it a day. Um, last but not least, I watched 
you know, I got to watch my Nick Cage films and climb that. There we mountain. go. I watched Season of the Witch, which uh, yeah. I'm going to put that towards the bottom of uh, my Nick Cage movies. I did not care for this one. Uh, I could see what I could see what they were going for. Adventure flick, you know. Yeah. But man, it was just dull as shit. Was that a Jerry Bruckheimer like Sorcerer's Apprentice was? Is that a um, big big movie? I it was a it was a fairly I mean it went through theaters. I remember that. Like it was a fairly mm. big and it was I think it was one of the last like semi successful, you know, not well I mean I think it was not successful which was the problem. Mm. Um but all, I mean it was just man like <laughs> He doesn't play a convincing 14th century dude, regardless of whether or not he is a vampire. I, <laughs> I did oh, not shit. like did not believe or Ron Perlman. Like I don't know, it, the whole thing had a lot wrong. <sighs> All right. In summation, I would say Encanto was uh, the top of the heap of what I watched this week. Yeah, sweet movie. If you have the subtitles on during some of those songs, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I was musician. I was just teasing you uh, last week with being the Cardos uh, when I said. Uh, Aaron Sorkin has some explaining to do. What I meant was he has to explain how the fuck he keeps churning out these incredible <laughs> screenplays. Yeah. Loved it. It was so good. Okay. You loved, loved it. it. It's fantastic. I loved it. Like, I, loved it um, I don't know what to say about it. Like the thing is I watched before this came out, I was, I was, I said to myself, Oh Christ, I don't really know that much about Lucille Ball at all. I don't even think I've ever seen her. Oh, you'd never seen her show. Wow. I'd never seen. I love Lucy. So I went back and I watched like, half the first season i was laughing out loud it's genuinely funny yeah and then i watched from 2003 like cbs made like a biopic that was horrifically miscast i don't even know who this actress was playing lucille but it, it wasn't very good and i'm thinking to myself well I, i'm not sure there's much of a story here Mm-mm. and then i dug a little deeper and did my research and then i'm like all right sorkin you got a lot to work with here so bring it on yeah fucking fantastic um I think my only criticism would be you've got probably um, one of the funniest women that's ever lived and they don't give her a lot of comedic stuff to do. So she comes off extremely, you know, tough and strong, which is fucking fantastic. But they don't give her a lot of funny moments where you see that this is actually a a very funny, humorous person, that it's not just all so Sorkin. Like the character is so Sorkin, you're, your icy like guy well, well, person in charge but i mean i've never i've never been in a writer's room um but from what i know about comedy a lot of what you know i mean what what like her response to what's funny is believable she's like that's funny she doesn't laugh at it she just says yeah. it's funny or that's not uh mike yeah, chimed in that. saying that lucy's a legend that she has been lost to old-timey 50s culture which doesn't hold up well She's the exception, though. He says everybody wanted Deborah Messing to be Lucy. I'm That's glad so that fucked up. I yeah, thought I'm that the whole time not... I was watching the movie. I'm like, Deborah Messing looks and acts like Lucy. Like, well, I, I love Nicole Kidman in it. And and also Lucy wasn't a natural redhead, so it makes perfect sense to have uh, yeah. you know somebody with brown hair play. I thought I thought she fucking killed it. Javier and... Bardem was fucking fantastic he was fantastic and and you know lucy and 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 uh and desi they both just like they revolutionized television they um they they not i mean just not just like with the show and like having like a but they helped like create that whole way it worked they were the first ones to like um record their shows so they could play them again afterwards so they could put them in syndication they used to just throw them out into the air and that was it like they just vanished they didn't record them um she she financed star trek and pushed for that to get yeah. on the air i mean this woman yeah. is a cultural milestone so it was really nice to see uh her get like a serious 
like treatment in the film. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, one of the better. Uh, films I loved it, man. It's fucking fantastic. Now, here's a funny one. For three consecutive nights in a row, when I was visiting family, I watched Home Alone, the original, three nights in a row. And I'm telling you, Travis, I'm not even fucking lying. Each time, even the third time, I was excited that it was coming on. I can't get sick of the movie. It, it's impossible. The third night in a row, I was like, yeah, bring it on. I'll watch it right now because some other family wanted to watch it. I, I love it. I, I don't know what to tell you right now, man. I don't, know what, this, I don't know what to tell you either. That seems excessive, but all right. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. <laughs> uh, 2008, uh, Kim Basinger, she stars in this thriller called While She Was Out. I'd never heard of the damn thing. I turned it on Tubi. Guillermo del Toro executive produced it, so uh, I gave it a shot. It's a fucking good thriller. It's like 90 minutes. You got Lucas Haas as the bad guy. I love Lucas Haas. They don't use him enough, in my opinion. And uh, I, I dug it. If you're, if you're looking for just a good cat and mouse thriller, she plays this like, you know, well-to-do woman stuck in this horrible situation where she's got to, uh, you know, flee for her life and then protect herself. It's f- fucking solid movie. Hmm. Um, I'd never heard of this one, Travis, from 1984. Listen to this cast. Kurt Russell, Joel Pantoliano, Richard Major, uh, The Mean Season. Yeah, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Was it good? Yeah, I, I it was fucking awesome. It's like one of the, like before, like in the line of fire and like all the 90s slurs were like the cat and mouse, like the killer's calling you and it's like taunting you and like mm-hmm. there's this back and forth. It's like the first one of those I remember from the, like the early 80s. Uh, it's great. Kurt Russell plays this uh, investigative journalist who gets like way too in deep in this uh, murder investigation where he develops this relationship with the killer. Uh, and it's up to him to like both report and try to figure out who the hell this guy is. I fucking dug it, man. Also on two. I don't know why we talk about Tubi every week. They have all of these awesome movies. They're free. They got to, they got to sponsor the podcast because it's incredible. Yeah. What, what did I watch on Tubi this week? I watched something on Tubi. I think, I think season of the witch and Ninja turtles. I both watched from Tubi. <laughs> there you go, man. Chicago, 2002. Best Picture winner. It's been since 2002, and I, you know, Lord knows I love a musical. And that first hour is fucking fantastic. And then you're kind of like, uh, all right, I don't really care about this murder story. But, you know, some fun moments. Catherine Zeta-Jones, in- incredible. So, okay. Um, okay. Superbad. I, I haven't seen Superbad since it came out. Oh, and I was really? laughing my ass off. And, and I thought, I thought, shit, I should stop this and bring it yeah, on the show. I've thought about it. But, but am I back? But I'm putting you in suspense. <laughs> it's fucking so funny. I was laughing out loud the entire time. It's hilarious, man. Like so many, especially in the early in the in the two thousands yeah. aughts, if you will. I so will. many of these, the same type of thing, were like trying so hard to be funny, and and this is just it just is funny it's like effortlessly hilarious the script is on fire every every single cast member is hilarious bill Hader, seth rogan mm-hmm. very it's it's hilarious not gonna argue with you i mean i haven't seen it in a long time but i always found it hilarious i would i'm wondering if it holds up yeah and speaking of emma stone i watched zombie land double tap uh i was kind of so-so on the original zombie land this came on i'm like fuck it you know you gotta love woody harrelson but I was chuckling. I, I kind of dug it. Maybe even more than the first one. I, I liked it. I don't know about that's about that, all I can right. say. That's about <laughs> all I can say. It's, it's entertaining, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah it's got its moments. So, you know, a few more. I, I dug into the Disney Plus, like, old library from, like, mm-hmm. the 70s. I'm like, 
kids movies were fucked up back in the day so what do we got here <laughs> i watched both escape to witch mountain and return yeah. from witch mountain have you seen these when i was a kid uh th these plots are ridiculous man like I love back in the day when like they weren't afraid to like actually like scare the shit out of kids. I'll get Me to a really a really scary one pretty soon. But both of these like in the original, we got two psychic kids. They're being hunted by like a rich dude that wants to abduct them so that he can have them find oil. And he enlists the help of shotgun toting townsfolk to hunt them down. And like they're all down for it. He's like, all right, go find these two kids. They ran into the woods. The entire town arms himself with shotguns and goes to find them, like with full intention to like bring them in, like under, under the potential threat of violence. It's fucking ridiculous. Hmm. So, yeah, pretty much the sequel, horrible. Even though Christopher Lee and Betty Davis are like the villains, it's god awful. I'll stay away. I tell you. But, in 1980, this movie comes out, Watcher in the Woods. 1980? In 1980, it's called The Watcher in the Woods. Like, they remade it, like, 10 years later, and then okay. maybe some years even after that. I think that's what I'm thinking of. And th this movie was, was so fucked up. Like, I've always thought it was messed up while watching it. Uh, but they pulled it from theaters, you see, in I 1980, see. because it was fucking too scary. Uh, and I went back and, wa and I watched, like, the original version of it, and... <laughs> Oh my God! They they had to do this because the end scene is literally like this, like th this like bizarre like sect like summons this demon from another dimension to release this imprisoned daughter of this beautiful gothic woman who owns the estate. Like it's it's fucking ridiculous and genuinely terrifying. I don't know how they got away with this shit. I haven't caught it, but uh, I I've heard of it. I'm gonna stay, Mike, I don't know. If Mike, if Mike is still watching, I watch JFK reclassified. <laughs> it's just a, docu a documentary. Yeah. yeah, you know, I signed up for Showtime because I'm like, this fucker Oliver Stone. What do you got here? It's like two and a half hours long. He oh, brings God. nothing it's, new it's to the his, table. This is his new documentary. He he, he yeah, brings no new. new evidence. What a shock! And you just got to sit there and watch him wander around the grassy knoll with that fucking dumb look on his face. I mean, he's doing this literally. I mean, I'd say he's beating a dead horse, but he's beating a dead president. I mean, he's just like trying to just juice whatever he can and have some sort of re relevancy here. Uh, he really uh, is. He was literally wandering around looking for skull fragments, uh, like some like what 60 years later. So stupid. Uh, uh, Mike says, I will be pissed, and I am. He also says that Luke loved it. Well, you know, that's fine for Luke. We're glad for you, Luke. My big recommendation, Garnet's Gold from 2014. Not it's this documentary from Scotland about this old dude who he's very eccentric. And one day he got lost in the Scottish Highlands and he stumbled upon like this bizarre, like mystical staff. And okay. his dream now, 20 years later, is to go back uh, to where he found this staff because he believes this ancient buried treasure may be in this general area. And he makes it his goal to go find it, even though he is broke, uh, you know, half crazy and has to take care of his ailing mother is a really sweet documentary about missed opportunities and finding the meaning in life as it starts to pass us by. So I liked it. Garnett's Gold 2014. Yeah. All right. Never heard of it. Keep an eye out. That's it, man. All right. Well, it, uh, we'll have to get Mike's uh, viewings next week. Hopefully, he has time. Sure. To, Absolutely. And his downtime to watch that. Uh, being the Ricardos, I'm I'm curious to, be, to get his uh his and take incredible. on incredible. So goddamn good. <laughs> yeah. So we uh, decided we would talk about 
our top three rom-coms, our top three romantic comedies, since this is a, yep. this is a, um, this is a genre, genre we've not paid nearly enough attention to. I mean, just not, not nearly enough as, uh, on this, on this podcast. And so I started, you know, so we started talking about it and, and immediately I'm like, well, what exactly qualifies um, as a, as a romantic comedy, it seems You're like right. I know I know a rom com when I see it. Uh, Mike's yelling uh, French dis- dispatch. Yeah. I'm guessing that's French something dispatch. he watched this week. Uh, we he just can't... hit rental for five ninety nine, so I'm going to oh. watch it this week. Yeah, I have to watch that this weekend too. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's fine. Um, but like, I mean, I I, I googled for instance popular rom coms, and I <laughs> sent you an image of some of the things that came up, which included movies like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, Tag. That, yep, that, tag. that comedy from like a few years ago and the oh. Lorax most bad the Lorax. The Lorax. The Lorax. When I think rom com, I think the Lorax. Immediately. So uh obviously there's I mean like give our give your definition. I thought your definition was was pretty good. What's a rom com? Well, Groundhog Day a rom com, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> Is forgetting um, Sarah Marshall a rom com? Oh, 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 yeah, it is a little question. Anyway, I'm, I'm trying to find uh, the source of this. But, you know, my interpretation when we generally spoke was like the movie is essentially about, you know, will they or won't they? It's about a, a, a couple, let's say, whoever it may be. And you got to see if they're going to eventually get together. And generally, you're happy when they do get together. Normally, most rom-coms, you're wondering, will they, won't they? And they they do. And it's all sweet and cozy and, and funny. Uh, I stumbled upon kind of an article from uh uh you know a literary film professor who who tells us t- tells us that uh romantic comedy is essentially uh three things are always in a, every romantic comedy and forget gender for one second but it's boy gets girl boy loses girl boy gets girl back and uh, i i definitely think she's on to something for the most part what about you yeah, I mean, it certainly has to be more than just romance and comedy being mm-hmm. part of it because movies like, to me, um, forgetting Mike, you know, Mike chimed in saying that yes, that forgetting Sarah Marshall is a uh, is a romantic comedy. I, I believe I agree that it's romantic and that it's a comedy, but it's not like mm-hmm. I mean, like it's not like a rom com the way I would like How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. Yeah, 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 right. right. Like there's a, there's a there's a fine line of difference that I can't even necessarily put my finger on. But uh. it seems like the, the, the focus, I guess, of the film is absolutely and heavily, and the premise is all about them getting together or not getting together and yeah usually a comedy of errors or of some sort like right and while you were sleeping the whole premise is is, is like oh what happened like whoopsie you know like there's some sort of like misunderstanding yep. kind of sitcom misunderstanding kind of hijinks usually it's like opposites will be attracted to one another uh, there's this pursuit generally as yeah. a through line throughout the entire thing and you know they're they're like a blanket it's a warm fire it's a reassurance that there's good in the world and love will persevere blah 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 yeah so I made a list of my top three romantic comedies. I I, I mean, I'm, I feel kind of iffy about them. For instance, I didn't include my best friend's wedding because although I love that movie, I don't think that it's necessarily a romantic comedy. Or if it is, it's such an inversion of the usual formula that it's like the exception to the rule or something. So I'm going to give that one a... Uh, a nod, I guess, and is a movie that I love, but uh, not not quite sure. what I would think of as, a, as an ideal romantic comedy. Sure. Uh, I'll go ahead and give my th- number three first, and uh, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to 1999's Three to Tango, with Nev Campbell and Matthew Perry and Dylan. Uh, Shit, Dylan McDermott. Dylan McDermott. Never even heard of it. You've never even heard of it. And Oliver no. Platt. Oliver Platt. You know, I'm a huge Oliver Platt fan. And Oliver Platt Three really makes tango. this movie. Three to Tango. I mean, I don't know that any movie made me fall in love with any character more than Nev Campbell made me fall in love with her mm, in Three hard. to Tango. I mean, okay. she just fucking slays me in this movie. And it's very 90s. I mean, it's very 90s. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, you know, it's yeah. Matthew Perry, <laughs> which I like Matthew hey, I Perry. I like Fools Rush In. Hey, I like Fools Rush In too. And I, and I like Three to Race Tango more. So I'm going to put Three to Tango at my number three appropriately. <laughs> All right, man. Um, it's tricky because I'm sitting here. I'm like, well, Christ, if we're talking like romantic dramas, I'm going to mm -hmm. go with like Beauty and the Beast, as good as it gets and a fair to remember. But like, there's a fine line here. I mean, it's fluffy. It's it's sweet. It makes you feel good as opposed to, you know, generally anything that apathetic. Let me give you some honorable mentions. City, hmm. Junior Cheryl is the blind flower girl. You, and Charlie you, Chaplin you, is. You dropped out there, bud. City Lights, is that what oh, you said? City Lights from 31, the Charlie Chaplin picture, I think is the sweetest depiction of blind love, no pun intended, ever, ever put to film. It's just so adorable, man. Uh, Harold and Maud would be another honorable mention. You know, I mean, it, it definitely is romantic. It's romance, such as it is. Yeah. Um, regardless of the age difference, but it's a it's a fantastic film, and I think oh, the rule would apply. Um, so let me give you my number three. It, it, it's actually a it's actually a tie between uh, you've got Mail and Roman Holiday from 1950. Both movies I could just watch over and over again that never never get old for me like it like i said warm blankets sweet and cozy christmasy in the case of you've got mail and mm. parker posey of course in the case of you've got mail but just I, I i can't get enough i don't know how to explain it i don't have to explain it but i love <laughs> you don't have to explain it and that's the thing about the thing about roman holiday is in so much so many of these roman uh and so many of these romantic comedies <sighs> Either one person or even both of them tends to just kind of fall in love because maybe the person's beautiful or they do one or two nice things and then all of a sudden they're in love and they want to get married the next day. Uh, with, with Roman Holiday, like Gregory Peck's character, he gives uh, Princess Anya just so many reasons to fall for him uh, throughout the course of this. You know, it's a few days, mm -hmm. but it, it, but he just so, does so much for her in terms of her appreciation for life and going out there and seeing new things that you ge genuinely buy this attraction and one of the best endings of any film you'll ever see. So that's my number three as a tie. Well, that feels like a cheat, but okay. You know, I've never <laughs> seen. <a> bit. <laughs> I've never seen Roman Holiday. I, I'm, so I'm ashamed to say I, I need yeah, to so I need to bump that up my list. But yeah, I, I love sure. you, Pat Mail. I, I do. Yeah. I like Sleepless in Seattle more. First, yeah, oh yeah, God, yeah. Um, I that I, I put that in my honorable mentions as well. Sure. I move on to my number two. I gotta give it up to Notting Hill. You I know, knew this was coming. I'm I just knew it. A boy on a podcast. Yeah. Yep. It's fantastic that uh, I love Reese Eifen's goofiness in this movie. Yeah. I love all the I, I love all the secondary characters and the little family that he has with his friends and yeah and, and, and all that and his sister and I just uh, you know it's just such a charming movie. I I I 
thoroughly enjoy Hugh Grant in all mm -hmm. of his uh, forms. I mean, I think the man is an underappreciated dramatic actor. You know, you know how I feel about him in Cloud Atlas. I think he makes a fine cannibal. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, you know, him in like not him in the 90s or maybe like 2000. I can't remember exactly when it came out, but him in that era in a romantic comedy Perfect. with Julia Roberts of all people. And she's playing a, a, a superstar like it's just. It's so right on yeah. so many levels, and and I want it to be like trite and like uh, you know in some ways and be like oh I'm over this as I've gotten older the way I've kind of like I've kind of oh. adjusted how I feel about Love Actually for instance I still love it but like you know there's some adjustments have been made but Notting Hill every time I go in and watch it like man this is still barring that opening uh, <laughs> sequence with that I love Elvis Costello but that fucking mm -hmm. I hate that Elvis Costello song at the opening barring that opening uh, it's such a great movie still. I, that's fantastic. Look look at us, two bearded men that are 41, all cuddly, talking about romantic comedies. Uh, yeah, that's a great pick. I knew it was coming. Uh, number two for me, man, I got to tell you, like, as I went and reviewed a lot of these, I, I, was, I was seeing a lot of the stuff from the 80s and 90s, but, you know, it's not some I return to over and over again that gave me that cozy feeling. Number two absolutely does for me. Uh, the Apartment. 1960 Billy Wilder mm -hmm. film Jack Lemon and uh Shirley MacLaine uh I, I try to check this out at least once a year it's just it, it just makes me so cozy and, and comfortable to watch so sharply written and directed by Billy Wilder and like Shirley MacLaine is like the she's like the uh epitome of like the she's not exactly like the manic pixie girl dream girl but she's just this just the sweetest uh nicest little thing as Frank Kubelik. I just love the film and like so much about like falling in love and navigating through these, you know, early days of these emotions is so clumsy and silly uh, as an affair. And I think this just nails it, man. It, it never gets old and Christ it's 70. No, it's, it's 60 years old, man. I, I love the apartment so much. That's the one where he uh, he has the apartment and he rents yeah. it out to his, yeah. To his boss. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's yeah. A yeah, yeah. But then yeah. his boss wants to hook up with uh, the girl he's attracted to, and right. hijinks ensue. Hijinks, yeah, ensue. Such such a beautiful. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, that is a good one. Underappreciated. Uh, I'll get to my number uh, my number one then. I'm not gonna fucking mess around Bring here. It. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna play around and make some sort of grand claim like, "Ooh, I'm some sort of cinephile." Yeah, I can't appreciate should. the obvious and best classic, which is 1989's "When Harry Met Sally." I mean, who who am I to walk in here and pretend like there's a better or more significant rom com? Do you or do you not agree, sir? I never cared for the movie. Oh, I, get the fuck I don't out like this podcast. I don't like Billy Crystal. <laughs> God, I don't like uh, Crystal. I never cared for the movie. You're, you're fired. I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. I never but, yeah. cared for the movie. Convince me. Yeah. yeah. No, no. There's, there's, I mean, like you know, you don't like it. You don't like it. It's not my job to convince you to like. I mean, <laughs> I might as well try and conv convince you to like Springsteen or you oh, know okay. Michelangelo's work. There you go. You know, <laughs> you, you I get it. Appreciate it or you do not. And I get uh, the charm, man. Ange watches it all the time. I'll sit there and watch it, but love it for me man i just I, I love that it takes you on this journey that you get to know these these characters you spend a lot of time with them it's really only an hour and a half or so or an hour and 40 or something but you really get walked through their life and uh 
get to know them and see the changes that they make. I mean, if you want to talk about character arcs and, and really like uh, character growth in, in film, I think you get a lot of that there. And there's it's it sets the template for so many copycats that come after her for better or for worse. To, you know, it's a it's an American classic and I treasure it. I truly wow. treasure it. I'm so glad to hear you say that. And uh, hey, far be it from me. This is a true classic. Rob Reiner's, some say it's his best movie. Yeah, probably. I mean, that's, well, Princess Bride, I think I might make the exception and say that's his best movie. Yeah, but he was on fire. He was yeah. absolutely on fire. Stand by me. Run. Princess Bride. Misery. He could <sighs> not be stopped. Spinal Tap. What a fucking run that man. I mean, what the mo one of the most <laughs> underrated and diverse directors and what he can do. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Uh, that's a great number one pick. Uh, you know, mine is controversial because I got to go way back. I got to go way back. Uh, I, I, I'll never forget when I first saw this. Is like I was 19 and I was doing like the history. I was like getting into like the history of films. So I would watch like every movie from like fucking the arrival of a train uh, up until like present day. Because uh, I wanted to have a good, you know, mindset of where we came from so I could see what's going on in the present. And my number one is uh, It Happened One Night, 1934 Frank Capra film. Uh, mm -hmm. If you haven't seen it, it's, it sets the stage for every, and I mean every romantic comedy out there. You've got uh, you know, the crazy young Harris played by Claudette Colbert and uh, like the, the snarky uh, reporter play, played by Clark Gable. And it is still laugh out loud, loud funny, the hijinks they get into and you got like the complete opposite thing and they learn to love each other when they probably did at the onset and you watch them come together and it's just so sweet and cozy. It's a, it's a, a new sweater, much the same as we'll see Sandra Bullock wearing throughout while you were sleeping. Um, I, I just love it. I watch it like three times a year. It's just something yeah. about like old Hollywood and just, uh, just the 1930s. And, and it's just still funny. It's like the, 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 the dynamic is just makes me laugh. It's just funny. Okay. You didn't know this? No, about, about you? No, I did not know that this was yeah. such a highly ranked film in your yeah, in your list. It. I love it. So that is it, uh, I believe. So, yeah, chime in, email the show. What are your favorite romantic comedies? What did we miss? Um, you know, did we, I don't think we mentioned like Clueless or anything from like really the 2000s or 2010s or anything like that. I mean, we had to go back a little bit. I mean, you know, we're of a certain age. That's true, <laughs> and and you apparently you like your grandparents' age, so that's <laughs> yeah. yeah. But let us swing from this directly into today's film of uh, of note, which is 1995's "While that's You right. Were Sleeping," the John Turtletaub. I guess I mean it's, it's not quite a holiday. It, it's a holiday movie, right? <sighs> I mean, it's weird. I I, I said before uh, last week that it took place in the week between Christmas and New Year's, and that's true, but it actually goes on past that a few days, too. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to join... I object. Oh, I, I didn't get to that part yet. I would have to object, too. What about you? I'm thinking. What the hell is going on? I am in love with your son. I know. Not that one. That one. Jack, what the hell did you do? He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. 
was me. It was all me. Um, Elsie, how you doing? You doing okay? Um, do you remember that day at the hospital? Of course you remember that day at the hospital. Well, um, there was a little mix-up. Um, I saw Peter get pushed onto the tracks, and uh, I saved his life. But when I got to the hospital, they wouldn't let me see him. So, um, the, someone told the doctor that I was his fiance. Only, um, oh, it's not true. I was never engaged to Peter. Why didn't you say something? Because I didn't know how to tell you. We never even met until that day on the tracks. And um, it's just when we were in the hospital room, everything happened so fast and I couldn't tell you the truth. And then I didn't want to tell you the truth because um, truth was that I fell in love with you. You fell in love with me? No. No, yes. All of you. I went from being all alone to being a fiancé, a daughter, a granddaughter, sister, and a friend. I might have saved your life on the tracks that day, but you know what? You really saved mine. You allowed me to be a part of your family. And I haven't had that in a really long time. And I just didn't want to let go of that. So even though it was just for a little while, I will love them always. I'm very sorry. Um, but it's it's certainly it's one of those holiday adjacent movies. And uh do you remember the first time you watched this movie? I, I I don't get this holiday. Like no movie is ever about the holiday. They take place around the holidays, so we need to be we need to cool it with these. Is it or isn't it? Um, no, I don't really remember seeing it back in the day. I know I've seen it multiple times. In fact, I just watched it a couple weeks ago before you announced it. Uh, and <laughs> That's funny. Know, well, Sorry. Well, you no. Know, <clears throat> I, I was fine with not having had pen in hand at that time because I watched it again. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I've seen this um, many times. But back in the day, I did really like Sandra Bullock. But, you know, me being the 90s kid, I was watching fucking Last Action Hero every day. And I don't think I got around to this until I got a little older in life. <laughs> uh, I think that I benefited in life in a lot of ways from having an older sister. Yeah. She definitely um, introduced me to some things at, a, at an early age that, uh, uh, you know, I maybe not, especially and, and things that kind of got, you know, uh, well, you know, yes, yeah, she, she had a box copy of this. I, I'm the one who wore it the fuck out, probably. <laughs> uh, although um, she loved Travis, <laughs> where's my copy of why you were sleeping? <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's one that, uh, yeah, I don't remember the first time I saw it. I don't think we saw it in theaters, but it was one that once, it, like, it, I mean, it got worn out. We we watched it not just around Christmas. We watched it, you know, all year long. It was one we just, it was just one of the ones that we owned and just put in a regular rotation and would quote and, and, and all that kind of stuff. It was definitely, it, it makes me think of, like, yeah, it makes me think of my sister. It makes me think of the holidays. makes me think of my, my teenage, you know, those tender years. Sure. Uh, it was, it was, a, it was, yeah. Yeah, that's what it makes me think of. Cool, man. So did you check out the IMDb rating? 
I didn't, but I am going to bring up Rotten Tomatoes so we can kind of maybe bounce a couple reviews off each other uh, okay. off the site if you like. But yeah, I, I didn't catch you the like rating. I well, imagine I imagine it's going to be quite yeah. well loved. Uh, I'm going to say hi. What, what do you think? Yeah, I'll give it maybe a seven two. I was going to say seven three. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm, think, I'm thinking people love this movie. Let's see, six point seven. Okay. Huh. Okay. Well, you know, that's not a bad rating, but it's a little lower than I would have expected. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Um, that's that's interesting. Well, uh, let's get into some reviews here. This is usually sure. this is usually Mike's uh, handling here. I actually mm-hmm. never look at the reviews, so I'm 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 scrolling through it right now, looking for the fucking <laughs> reviews, which I just see user reviews. Do you see? Uh, yeah, I got critics review. Let's take a look at um Yeah, help us out. Top critic Michael Wilmington of the Chicago Tribune, big newspaper. Um I got to tell you, it's, he says it plays like a movie dreamed up by people in a studio marketing department who decided to bare their souls. He didn't care for it. 2.5 out of 4. Well, that's a very cynical viewpoint of such a sweet movie. <laughs> um I, I, I can see where for some people maybe it'd be a little a little saccharine, I guess, but mm. uh, not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else you got? I've got, um, wow. I've got, uh, let's see here. Jay Boyer brings up uh, from the Orlando Sentinel, brings up a good point. It's Bullock's first shot at a role in which she plays second fiddle to males nor special effects, and she turns out to be every bit as delightful as anyone might have expected. And Jay's right, man. Remember, uh, Sandra Bullock comes out with De- Demolition Man and Speed and uh, Thing Called Love, which is a movie I fucking love, but she's mm-hmm. playing second fiddle. So yeah. to come out of the gate as the star uh, of, of this and just knock it out of the park was huge. I mean, this this was what this or the, the net was they're the same year, right? Yeah, I yeah, think, I think that I think net was before this, <clears throat> but I'm not positive. But yeah, this was the, one of her first leading roles she's supported by a hell of a cast but she very much leads this movie uh that's the thing man uh sorry dude like um just to piggyback off that of something i wrote down like she doesn't need to play off anyone in this movie to be really you know cute and all the adjectives we know her as she she does so much just by herself so that's a huge testament to her talent (laughs) yeah i i agree i was gonna, gonna give the roger ebert review Seems like a, someone to check in with. He says, it's sure. a feel-good film, warm and good-hearted, and it was heading for its happy ending. And as it was headed for its happy ending, I was still a little astonished how much I was enjoying it. So, you know, I think he's getting mm. the fact that often comedies and romantic comedies, especially that third act slump is real. Like that, that a lot of times, like the, the jokes stop and like, you know, if you're not really invested in the characters, it's going to get to be a chore, but not with this movie, I wouldn't say. Yeah, you you get to that point where in these kind of will they or won't they movies, once like Bill Pullman comes into the picture and there's this spark, you kind of get the idea that they'll end up getting together. But it doesn't mean that it it loses its tension. It just means it gets a little bit more predictable. But I don't think it's a detriment to the film. I agree. Um, Mark Savlov at the Austin Chronicle says it's charming in its own little way, but really this film has about as much substance as a serious cloud. Oh man. Yeah, that, that is a, that's a little rough. I mean, you know what you're getting into on something like this when, uh, when, uh, 
Kevin McManus from the Washington Post says cringe inducing moments are bound <laughs> and trashes it, gives it a splat. It's like, bro, it's a fluffy romantic comedy about you know people falling in love. What do you want from the goddamn thing? Uh, did you look at the audience score? No. What's the audience score? Do you know? Oh, hey right there. I don't even know if I know where to go to find it. <laughs> Here I'm on it. The audience score of while you were sleeping. Uh, I'm looking at the the tomometer, the tomometer, seventy nine percent. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, it uh, the audience score is seventy nine percent of Rotten Tomatoes. I think that's pretty good. That's a C plus, yeah. which I feel like is you know that's not a true representation, but it's you know. So it, whatever the reviews at the time, I think no one could uh, argue that this wasn't a big hit when it came out. And I'm already kind of uh happy uh, your approach to it so far because i was uh, a little prepared to have to defend this from a lambasting but i'm not sure that that's coming from you because i'm gonna just go ahead and put my cards on the table early this is you know i chose this film because it's the holidays and i wanted to talk about a film that i enjoyed and I, I knew going in that i was gonna feel positively towards this movie unlike usually when i pick films because this is one i watch almost every year it grossed more than outbreak in congo uh which is which is pretty big because those were gigantic studio films and yeah. usually something like this with kind of a you know not a huge star at the time but an up and comer would just kind of slide in there as a modest success but this was this is a fucking hit yeah yeah I I felt like it definitely um, it certainly didn't hurt Sandra Bullock's career in in terms of letting everybody in America and elsewhere know that this is someone that can can lead a movie and is uh someone to watch but uh what do you think of the rest of the cast there's some really strong actors in here peter boyle for instance <laughs> yeah. i really enjoy him in this film and i feel like that his eyebrows are suitable for him to play peter gallagher's father yeah yeah i bought it uh great supporting cast uh, michael rispoli we got grandma himself as joe jr i know karate come on now he is so funny in this movie. I mean, he's just <laughs> like, almost every line is. I teared so... up when he hugs Lucy at the end. Like you just seen your fist transam. He's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Yeah, when he goes to cry towards the end of the movie, when like he's and like he's his, on, he's like man. going to like kind of laugh it off, like when she's asking about Phyllis on the third floor or whatever it was and he's like you know he's like trying to like laugh it up but he's he's actually a big soft and he starts crying he was just warning her not to drink not to eat uh too many snacks and he asked her if there's any cookies and stuff it's okay. now now one of the big parts about of, of this story is the fact that lucy you learn in the beginning they moved to chicago for her to take care of her ailing father who passed and she mm -hmm. is not only looking for love but just looking for that familial contact she wants yeah. people surrounding her uh, she gets, you know, Peter Boyle and to a, a greater extent, Saul, played by so sweetly by Jack Warden. Argentina has beef and Nazis. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I did not I was not in love with the fact on this most recent viewing that she doesn't have uh, a lot of uh, older women characters to attach to in, in the movie. It's mostly just, you know, Jack Warden. So when she says she falls Whoa. in love with the family, I could have used a little more here and there. You have Elsie and Midge. And they're both older women characters who are important. I think, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Nicole Mercurio, who I got to look that up, uh, who played Midge, the mm -hmm. mother in particular, just is so convincing 
is like the you know like the kind of round blonde uh mm-hmm. smiley mother t- uh, figure um, yeah yeah, yeah. I, I but none of them really kind of attach or like make much of an impression on her they're just really nice and fun to have in your family well does i mean does does anyone uh, i mean like i wouldn't say that um you know that the i mean saul she has a special connection with saul because he knows but ox i mean the father peter Boyle's character i don't think ox. that she has some sort of special connection with him yeah. more so than anyone else he used a little movie. more i mean if it's a short film I mean, it's yeah. very short so maybe we could have rounded it out with a few scenes here and there well, but i think that they do good in uh in, in in a few things in in actually fairly subtle ways like when she goes she gets invited to their home for christmas mm-hmm. and she's like yeah and you can kind of tell she's like no i'm not gonna fucking do that and then it shows her go home and she's like calling her cat and the cat's food is on the dinner table so that the cat will yeah. eat with her and the cat doesn't come <laughs> she's like dipping with it's always so gross so she dips the the, the, in the in the cat's milk like what the fuck are you doing loose it together but uh so it, she you know you get the sense that she's truly a lonely person who kind of is casting about looking for someone to dump her love into so like her crush on this stranger makes sense and that she can easily you know uh, latch onto this loving family who's also looking to like love someone like someone's missing yeah. from their life and that peter right. has like re- like it's just he fell far from the tree and he's not like them and he's not connected in the way that he is and they're trying to pull him back and mm-hmm. so like there's like this whole thing going on where they're extra receptive as well so these two groups you know her and, the, and, and this group are like uh they're kind of well matched at, at, at the right time so i, I think it's really believable i agree mm-hmm. that i think that there's like a lot missing from her like you know she, she doesn't have any a, a grandma she can call someone in her life like an old friend all she has is co-workers you know because i've lived alone and, and far away in the world but like and my parents are alive but still like there's people i could call from a childhood yeah, friend like you. she definitely has friends uh but you know they're not going to give you everything that you need uh especially in terms of a, yeah. a type of relationship but one one part of me was thinking while I'm watching it, I'm watching it with Ange, and I'm thinking, come on, this is one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life. She she can't get anyone, but my my wife is right. She says it's it's hard to meet people, and and, yeah. and she's right. She's alone. She's like a what a beetle in the beetle in the uh, toll booth. It's just like, especially in a huge city like that, which mm-hmm. you know I lived in for many years. It is just hard to get out there. People either assume that you're with someone or. They're like you. They they may be just like you, and meek too meek to to say hello or make that connection. So I can buy it. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely buy it. So and I and I do buy like her um their their receptivity for for one another. And I also think that like when she does go to the family house and she's watching them all open their presents all at once because they're monsters. Yeah. Like you go one at a time. Like I a just got life. into that argument last week. I'm like, you, what? There goes ten minutes. There goes Christmas. Yep. One at a fucking time. One at a fucking time. But while she's watching them all do that, you you see that not only did the, did they get a stocking for her that like they decorated it for her, like they made her her own stocking. So they're very quick and ready to like bring her into their into their life. So even though it's only a week, uh, I do I do think that and, and even though like uh, this is all getting to your point that like you didn't feel like there was enough imprinted or whatever um, from the uh, other characters on her. I think they I think they do a yeah. decent job with the time that they have yeah. and keeping the focus on the love story and not that she's yeah. falling in love with the family. Although she is and when Peter Boyle says you fell in love with me, I laugh every fucking time. 
That's a great point. Uh, I mean, screenwriters should actually strive to have people do things instead of just say things. And I guess I was looking for like that uh, port, you know, stoop monologue between her and, and one of the other women. But yeah, the whole family goes out of the way to make her feel important. I mean, um, one of my other things I wanted to bring up is the fact that now where did I go here? This original script, we got to hit the rewind button. When this was getting shopped around, mm. this was a story about uh, uh, a dude that was in love with a woman, and she went under the coma, and the studios balked, thinking it was too predatory. Your thoughts? That's interesting. I So watching it this time i did feel like there's a, a moment in particular when she uh accepts peter's wedding offer and uh is and you know she as soon as the wet, the ceremony starts she's like she protests and ends it but right. like there is some real ethical uh issues with that that i think that i generally every time i watch it, it's just completely blurred past because it's it's a you know it's a romance and it's sandra bullock and everything's fine um you put a similar situation in with uh, if Bill Pullman's doing this to, to, you know, then suddenly, yeah, I could kind of see where uh, I might feel a little differently about it, no matter how much denim the man wears. <laughs> how many feathers he has in that beautiful head of hair. It's very feathered. Sure. <laughs> a lot of the naysayers will tell you that this is, I can see Mike hitting fast forward right now in my mind's eye. <laughs> a lot of people will tell you that this is, I can't get past this plot. This is bonkers. There's no way she goes through with this. She admits it right away. But I love the way they set up this story. She lost her father, the only person that she had. And every single time this family shows her a, a modicum of love and attention, she just she just grabs hold of it and she mm -hmm. can't herself uh, give it away because she ha she has nothing else. So people do weird stuff in in, in weird circumstances. Yeah. yeah, and and it's it's ludicrous how it happens, but I mean I do think they do a decent job of of setting up why. I mean yes, like she's 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 enjoying herself and and she loves what's happening. So she she doesn't want to tell them, but also there's a whole thing of Elsie's heart and the fact that like she's able to use that as an excuse for her heart condition that she doesn't want to freak her out. Um, <laughs> yeah. And there's Might also die. right, and the fact that like um, this nurse, this really integral character who overhears her say, "I was going to marry him," and doesn't say, "Oh, you were his fiance." No, she just takes her straight in. So it's like the the uh, the, the exact right circumstances, which are far fetched. And there's there's other things that start to happen towards like towards the end of the movie when Ashley Bartlett Bacon shows up in the middle of the wedding to protest, and her husband follows her. In there. <laughs> I object to your objection. <laughs> like, what, what did he come from? What is he doing there? Why, and why are they? Why are they leaving on the subway? Why? Who are they waving to? There's no one there at the end of the film. Okay. They're like, just get on. You know, there's a few things like that where you kind of have to be like, eh, okay, whatever. <laughs> but uh, overall, I think that you, you don't have to like approach this too analytically. <laughs> um, she opens the movie and closes it with this narration that is pretty interesting we were just talking about kiss kiss bang bang and how the narrator is commenting on how it's an uh -huh. actual movie and she's like yeah i don't remember the flashback being this orange that was funny i could have used some more of that but it only comes at the beginning and the end i don't know yeah yeah that is that is pretty funny and that opening intro is such a fine line to walk because they have this uh, this happy music i want to say edelson i forget the person's name they have this kind of happy music going on and they have like this 
light feel, but they're also telling us that, yeah, this is a grown orphan. This is like her, you know, she's talking about her mother being dead and her father being yeah. dead. And so it's really grim stuff and sad stuff, but they do a real nice job of keeping the mood light and also presenting this, uh, you know, this character and her hardships and, uh, and making it relatable and, and still kind of funny. They really do. And she and she basically tells you the message of the movie right off the bat. She says, life doesn't turn out the way you planned. And if you can, you know, keep that in mind while you watch it, I think you can mm -hmm. just sit back and have fun. I also love that. And I don't know that I ever really quite picked up on this before. And it's super fucking obvious. <clears throat> but somehow I think I missed it that like. She says that her father fell in love with her mother because she gave him the world. And then towards the end of the film, you know, for her, she just she doesn't want the world. She just wants to go to Florence mm -hmm. and he gives her Florence in that little that little snow globe thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, I never really picked up on that. He gives her sort of the world. And that's that globe also kind of acts as a nod to Sleeping Beauty, which uh, is in play here in, you know, more th more than a few ways. Nice, nice little touches. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean. Do you tell wait, your... Wait, I'm sorry. Back up. How is that related to uh, Sleeping Beauty? Is there, is there a snow globe in Sleeping Beauty? Yeah, there's that. like that like visual motif of that and, and, and you know, due to sleeping, whatever. It's like your, your true love is sleeping, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's little visual flourishes. Okay. And such. And such. Uh, kind of a dumb score. I've, I've been walking around. Do, 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 oh, no. It's very 90s. I feel like Mike would have a field day with this one. It's very uh, <laughs> lilting, <laughs> lilting and uplifting. Yep. Yep. I can see him patting his belly, walking around the house. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing that myself. Uh, sorry to anyone listening. We forget sometimes that we have an audience. <laughs> do you tell your wife's fiance that you want to see her in her black underwear? I think by that point, he's already, I mean, he's straight up flirting with her by that point. I really find this interesting when she, um, you know, he shows up at her house to drop off this gift and she's like, oh, let's take it over to, to Peter's apartment. His, his apartment is 90s wealthy and all black and white. We'll drop it off there and it'll surely fit in better. Uh, and somewhere in, in that walk between, and everything's still very platonic. And somewhere between that walk from Peter's house back to her apartment, there's this shift that takes place where they start falling in love and it's subtle but it's noticeable and it's right there and um and that whole comment about the black underwear is definitely inappropriate but by that point he's already engaged in some pretty inappropriate stuff because well what she's doing makes sense because she's single she doesn't know peter at all so for her to like actually fall in love with this guy makes sense but for for jack like uh jack's you know what he's doing is pretty rough like it's not i mean Although you do get a good idea that these two guys don't have the greatest relationship, that that Peter's mm -hmm. a jerk mm -hmm. and um, doesn't probably deserve a good woman. Takes everything for granted his whole yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. They, I love that scene when they're playing cards in, in the hospital, and yeah. you know it, he doesn't dislike his. It'd be so easy to have him hate his brother, but he loves it. Yeah, yeah. That, so much that, he, he loves him so much that on his wedding day he'll whisper to him, "You suck." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's like, I mean, that's kind of one of the things. Like, he was fully willing for this mar this marriage to go through, mm -hmm. but his life would have been a living hell. I mean, yeah. do you speak up? Do you, do you? Are you the one that objects? Like, what do you do here? Come on, come on, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so so the Peter Peter Gallagher's character, uh, Peter, yeah. I, I find him so like he doesn't even enter till the third act, really. Yeah, you know? very late. Yeah. And and he is so fucking funny. God, His reactions to everything, he's so like scared and like mystified and like, do I like Jello? Like yeah, just, yeah. I mean, his he, I think he really sells this really well yeah. and, and like uh it, He's he's really perfect for the role. He really yeah, is. You, you could go so many ways with the character that character when he wakes up. Mm-hmm. But to just have him be unperturbed and like, you know, whatever, who cares? She's she's good looking woman. I guess I can make this happen. It's just it's, it's sweet in the perfect way you want want it to be. You don't want any more layers at that point. You want to you're invested in Jack and and Lucy, so you mm-hmm. don't really want him to you know become an adversary or even begin to do this or that it's, it's but you perfect. don't want to ha- you don't want to hate him either because you want yeah, the because sure. fa- you want the family to like have their son back yeah absolutely right. yeah now, he's hilarious he's very funny in this now i did have an issue that came up you know again like when you're watching it with the pen and paper things kind of change and nice. it's always kind of been in the back of my mind before but i never really put too fine a point on it until i was watching it this time where the fuck is jack in the beginning of this movie like on christmas day you're what you're out of town your your brother is in a coma you're still out of town you show up at, at the end of yeah. the day of a, a couple days later like at least like the not the day after christmas but i think the day after the day after christmas you show up and like and you haven't even talked to your family where someone would have told you who lucy was like there's there's some kind of convenient like uh things are just left out like at least explain oh he was doing some sort of trip for work but that never gets mentioned he's just not there especially when he wants out of the business so you would have figured he'd just be on on, on standby waiting to have to do something yeah. and not like on on some sort of huge estate furniture job but like uh christmas Day. yeah it's a bit of it's a bit of a uh a misstep for sure on repeat viewings but i mean bill pullman's so goddamn charming and his hair is so good that you <laughs> you uh, let it slide yeah, I'm not going to beat the movie up for it, but I definitely like notice it this time. Like, w- there's no real good explanation. Like, we can't assume a good reason other than I guess work, um, and they don't give us one. So I feel like that's a bit of a fault on the on the filmmakers. But uh, you know, we can let that one slide. Bill Pullman, you know, he's <laughs> he's coming off Sleepless in Seattle, which is like the biggest like cock block move character <laughs> of all time. He's totally cool with his fiance just being like, yeah. Totally, I'm interested in this guy I've never met. Bye. Right, whatever. <laughs> but, but this is a dude that, like, I, I love him in this role because it, it'd be so easy to get some guy you just that wasn't so unobtrusive or demure or uh, um, self self what have you you just like him you know and and mm. it's this, this breezy attitude that Pullman brings to it that just makes it so easy to buy into. Yeah, even though he's like suspicious of her and rightfully so, respectful at first. Yeah, but he but he is still pretty likable. Um, yeah, and he definitely he goes from being the easiest breakup ever with Meg Ryan to <laughs> yeah, uh, leaving on. his dad's business in this movie yeah. and having it be like, oh, just give me a donut, everything's cool. Yeah, self-effacing. <laughs> Um, I thought the, that's the box of donuts makes me, yeah, that's it. The box of donuts always makes me so hungry for the old Dunkin' Donuts box. But yes, side you, want, point. you ate the box? No, I just get hungry for a donut. <laughs> um, do you uh, do you want your uh, son to kiss 
his future oh. sister-in-law under the mistletoe? Uh, mistletoe moment is very awkward, is my note. What was that? It's an extra, I mean, a, another kind of convenient scene where, like, in reality, no one will be like, kiss her, kiss her, stick your thumb down her throat, pull her pants down. Oh. Like, no one's, like, they're, they're really, like, overreactive here. And then, like, in reality... You would just kiss her on the cheek. You don't kiss her on the lips. Like yeah, that's just, I saw that's that. Just, that was a weird scene. That's an uncomfortable scene. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of negative things like I, I can say here. So, yeah, um, I do have one last major cr- critique, and it's the, it. it's the it's the pronunciate it's the pronunciation fiance. Fiance. <laughs> that's Peter's fiance. It's his yep. fiance. Like every time yep. the nurse says it, I'm like, shut the fuck up. Yep. Stop saying that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh also you bring the fucking tree upstairs. You don't you don't uh <laughs> you don't configure a pulley system to bring it up to your third story. What what is that? Dude, more than that, don't give your landlord a fucking gift. <laughs> <laughs> No, not after those rate hikes. Absolutely not. But I I do, I do like, like, uh, my dad would knock 50 bucks off the rent. <laughs> just 50 bucks. Uh, also, those hot dog stands, this isn't New York City. Those don't exist. Oh, They've really? never been in Chicago. You can't just get a hot dog and be like, hey, mustard, relish. They're not there. They're just not there. Huh. That's I mean, in New York movies only. That's funny. Because, I mean, I think Philly, for instance, where I lived for several years, and it's like you could hardly turn around without running into a food truck or a food cart of some kind. Yeah. Where do people eat in Chicago? Uh, there's like falafel and Euro stands and, and oh, stuff so there's like still that. stands. There's no hot dog stands. Not hot no dogs. hot dogs. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like the fact that this movie is rated PG. And it? yeah, it's PG, so it's very family friendly. Yeah. Like I watch it on Disney Plus and yeah, it doesn't need to be anything else. It just is exactly what it what it is. And I don't know, I kind of appreciate that. You don't see that today. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that like I don't know, man. Maybe I'm. I mean, I, I was talking up Love Hard recently. I thought that was a yeah. pretty decent Christmas romantic comedy. But I, just generally speaking, I just haven't. I feel like there's not a, a ton of good romantic comedies anymore. I just don't see a lot of yep. them. It's it's <laughs> like we don't really have. Uh, we don't have a Tom and Meg. That's for sure. We don't. Have yeah. A, who, we don't. Yeah. Who are Tom and Meg nowadays? I don't. I who mean, would even purport to be them? The, the best I could come up with. Not, not even like a, a pairing, but, but say we don't really even have like pre-programmed in our head romantic comedy actors and actresses. Like, yeah, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It means that the, there's a little less typecasting maybe going on. And I, I guess if 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 some if something was made today, I would expect maybe Jennifer Lawrence or Zendaya to be in it, perhaps, or or maybe mm, um, what, what Chris man? Evans. Or Chris Pratt, but there's, um, yep. you know, I, I could I could see those guys doing that kind of stuff. Chris Pratt, although his career is kind of starting to sink lately. Has it been parodied to death? Like, are they, do they do not want to green light these? Because, <sighs> or have they gone the same way as so many other kind of films where it's just, you know, I mean, we we certainly still get dramas and you know non IP film noir and that kind of stuff. Like we get these adult movies, quote unquote, not in the pornography variety, but we certainly get less of them. And comedies in general have suffered at the, uh, at the box office more than most. And comedies probably do a little bit better when they're broad and not uh, quote unquote, no one really says chick flicks anymore, which is, is good. But I mean, I still think that there's this, 
this belief that men aren't going to go see, you know, that, that, that you're going to segment off the population, but that's ridiculous, obviously, because, well, you I'll, know. I'll tell you exactly where they all went. Okay. Tell me Hallmark channel. I can't like watch these, 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 these Christmas movies around the, that. That's all they are. They're romantic comedies. They're, they're fluffy. They're cozy. Like I, I don't watch them, but like the formula is there. And it's it, there's an appetite for it, so I don't know how they don't haul like Crips Hensworth's handsome ass out there and be like, hook up with fucking Zendaya. Let's get this yeah, going. Let's get Emma get Stone and okay, Absolutely. so Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, I think, are, are the closest we have because a la la oh, yeah. and crazy loved stupid it, loved love it. loved it, and they're, they're both really, of them. Yeah, they're both good movies, and yeah, uh, make more. Uh, I'd like to see the two of them in something. Light. Yeah, I would love it, but both of them seem to be making heavier fare kind of these well, days. Think about think about like the seventies. I mean, mm-hmm. that decade was what it was. You had maybe Annie Hall, and that's it. When it comes to like huge in Manhattan, yeah. when it comes to like big romantic comedies, they just that, that the, the, the ebb and tide and then flow just went in a different direction. Yeah, you're right. In the in the nineties and early two thousands, there was a glut of this kind of stuff, yeah. but uh, we might just kind of be going through. Uh, a little bit less of that now. We got Bring a comment from, uh, from from. We'll check it out. Um, if you're listening, not watching, someone is we'll trying to share gibberish with us. Thank you. Thank you, Miff. <laughs> Well, uh, anything else you want to bring up? I mean, it is a great, it, it is a very sweet Chicago movie. I love just all the, I mean, winter in Chicago is a fucking abominable. It's you can't you can't deal with life, but for somehow movies always make it look sweet and cozy and and uh, very fun like like this movie does. But it, it sucks. I'm telling you right now, it's a night, <laughs> especially if you're downtown. They got the vert- like the what do they call it? Like the uh, vertical vertical text or something where the wind goes through the buildings and it's like like 10 times colder than it even is it's a fucking nightmare you're not eating hot dogs talking to your co-worker that sounds like bliss to me i need to move there i'm never leaving michigan again don't get me wrong but i i would i we got a flurry this morning i was thrilled i'm like oh it's almost like it's winter um you know i don't know i like winter but yeah, I'd say that I've kind of, I think I've said, oh, you know what? I didn't reference the paper boy scene. Got to fucking yeah. reference when the, when the paper yeah. boy throws and he falls. It's the little moments like this just peppered throughout this movie. These leaves, like, you know, and, and, and sometimes there's just moments like when, um, when Beth, the, the, the younger girl, tells Celeste, uh, Lucy's co worker, that she's engaged to her brother. And the look on Lucy's face is she just like makes she like blooms her lips up. It's just like there's all these little moments uh yep. like this that really um really that's Sandra Bullock, man. I mean, yeah. how, you can't you can't well, write that and say, hey, do this, act this way. I mean I would say it's definitely Sandra Bullock carrying this movie in a lot of ways, but but little stuff like the paper boy and, and other similar things thrown <laughs> in throughout. Just just you know, it just brings the it brings the characters, it brings the movie to life. In a in a in a lighthearted and, and and relatable kind of way. Also, like, like every '90s romantic comedy had like the doorman that was like your buddy there to like <laughs> save you and lie for you. <laughs> yeah, this is add that to the romantic comedy tropes and yeah, absolutely and old doorman who's sweet and will lie for you. Yeah, some doorman who becomes inexplicably uh wound up in your yep. drama <laughs> i watched a family man too a couple weeks ago like same door man who's there for you he had your back yeah i need a fucking door man <laughs> well what do you think man uh i'll go first since i already uh 
tilted my hand, this movie holds up for me. This movie's a classic for me. This movie's a holiday gem for me. This movie, oh man, I just love Sandra Bullock so much in this era and in this time frame. Like, I mean, she's still gorgeous. She's still an yeah. uh, incredible actor. Yeah. Um, but man, if I could, if I could have 1995's version of of Sandra Bullock as a girlfriend, I'd be a, I'd be mm. a happy dude. She's, mm. she's adorable. And, and, yeah. and, and again, the rest of the cast in this movie just kills it, man. They're, they're all just bringing their, their top notch work. It's all, it's all well-written. It just, I mean, is the movie fluff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a little absolutely. bit fluff. I'm not, I'm not going, this, I don't want blood diamond. I don't want <laughs> citizen Kane. <laughs> I, you know, I, you, you know, for what it's, for what it's supposed to be, I think it achieves its objective perfectly. And I think this yeah. movie still holds up very well. Yeah, man. Uh, very harmless movie. It's 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 supremely inoffensive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just so sweet and breezy to watch. If you want that warm and fuzzy feeling, you can get that fucking warm and fuzzy feeling, man. It coasts along. Uh, it coasts along on its charm. Maybe even its charm alone. Because like when you step back, to be honest, like are there like memorable like sequences and like scenes that you're like, oh that? I don't know. But like o- overall, it's just it's like one of those cozy sweaters that Sandra mm-hmm. is wearing throughout the entire movie. You put it on, you fucking put the fire on, and you drink hot cider, and you're gonna have a fucking great time. Even uh, what twenty seven years later, Jesus Christ, holds <laughs> up. I love the film. That's great. I'm I'm I'm, I'm glad you do, and I, and I agree. It really just. I, mean, I think that's why I was able to watch it so much growing up. It's just one of those movies that you can just put on over and over again um mike <laughs> says jack and he also says trash so I'm, trash. Guessing, I'm guessing his uh that's i think that's his review i think that's mike's review yeah mike we could have um, used you to be like ah, oh, this is total bullshit no one would be in a coma no one would was, fall in love with someone in a coma he thinks it was poorly done all right well we're gonna stop showing mike's comments now <laughs> i mean the plot is this happens do they deliver on it yes or no if it's poorly done they don't deliver on this concept they completely do man come on michael well mike mike chimes in with it it does not hold up and i gotta be frank with you like i was uh i i i i i said last episode that i was nervous a little bit about bringing in a movie that i love because i didn't want to have to defend it the whole time because i don't deal well well with that kind of thing and uh and uh, maybe it's just as well that Mike wasn't here for this one then. Uh, although you can say all the terrible things you want about it next episode when you're back. Last year, you brought me home for the holidays. I still feel the same. That is not, that is not a cozy sweater. That is not a fire. That's it's not the same thing. But this it hit every cylinder. You, you you were going on about how home for the holidays is like it's cynical and terrible and evil and, all, and like uh, the, the uh, interactions between people blah 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 and I'm like and I go back and watch like uh say I mean planes trains and automobiles another Thanksgiving film these people are just <laughs> venomous towards each other through most of this movie and I, I was thinking about it, I'm like this is, this is actually really common for inter- I'm like this is just it's just it's not for you but I think that it's hardly unique to the film but I will agree right, that there, there isn't there isn't that kind of venomness yeah that's even a word uh in in this film it's just it's just a light and uh and breezy film that I enjoy yeah. and 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 Michael says happy new year and I did watch Venom too. Speaking of Venomous, I watched year. Venom a few days ago. That's shit, right? It's, fuck, it's horrible. I sat Terrible. there for an hour waiting for Venom to show up. It was just Tom Hardy like blowing around, mumbling, not doing anything for an hour. 
anyway it's i i hated it so much i'm, I'm not gonna watch the second one i finally just went ahead and youtubed the uh after credit sequence just so i could yeah, put it into context with that, uh, the new spider-man movie while you're sleeping from 1995 from director john turtletop who gave us cool runnings and uh both national treasure films and the sorcerer's apprentice which we both liked yeah yeah we salute you we salute you sir good film. well so that brings us to the end of our show but that means that we have to get told what our next episode is <laughs> going get to be told. we must get yeah. told by we'll be my, told uh, tell us eric <laughs> what film will we be taking on next episode we haven't had an opportunity to do a deep dive on the film uh, on a very particular film of who i consider a great master of cinema and that's gus van sant and I'm not going to do Goodwill Hunter. We already know it's a classic. Milk, so fucking unbelievable. Amazing. Uh, but you don't hear too much nowadays about my pick, which is from 1991, my own private Idaho, oh. Keanu Reeves and River Phoenix. Okay. Uh, I think it's definitely worth an examination because online, I don't see much about this, even with all the Keanu love and the River Phoenix love, such as it was. Um, you, you just don't hear a lot. And it, it's been a hell of a long time. And I fucking love every Gus Van Sant movie, but I haven't seen this in 25 years. I, Even I, Psycho? Another look. Even well, Psycho. It's hard to say no because it is Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. It's just stars Vince Vaughn and he's yeah, jacking off. Jacking off, naturally. But, but, but yeah, My Own Private Idaho from 1991. All right. I think that's an interesting choice. I haven't seen it since it was new. I mean, I was a kid last time I watched okay. this movie. So, cool. in fact, I, I'm not even 100% that I've seen it. I may get it confused with Feeling Minnesota. Um, yeah. Um, I, I think I saw it, but I, I don't know. This could be interesting. Maybe I've just heard the B 52 song a bunch. I, I don't know. I guess I'll maybe watch it I like potatoes out. and they're from Idaho, right? <laughs> Nowhere else. I like just privacy. <laughs> <laughs> I like mine. Um, all right. There it My is. own private Idaho. Cool. Well, yeah. That's uh it's 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 a little weird doing an episode without our regular compatriot, Mike Govier. We had him yeah, here in, in essence. We love you, buddy. It was good. I'm glad you were able to chime in uh through the chat. We hope you feel better. We're glad you got boosted. Uh everybody else, thank you for your time. Please do the thing mm -hmm. where you give us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. That would be the ultimate gift, man. If you've been listening these past year or two. Just jump on Apple Podcasts or even Spotify. Give us that five-star review, man. We would really appreciate it. Yeah, or subscribe on uh, YouTube, our YouTube yep. channel, or, 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 you know, or send us an email. But uh, we're not really expecting you to do that. Nah. Just give us – just click the just thing. Give us, give us five stars. That's all click we have. You don't even have to write a review. Just click the thing. Give us five stars. <laughs> all right. Anything else, Eric? No, it was a lot of fun. And uh, happy New Year, guys, man. Looking forward to a lot more. Oh, also, yeah, this movie introduced me to Coco Taylor and uh, one of the greatest Christmas blues songs of all time. So I'm going to give her a shout out real quick on our way out the door. And is. on that note, we'll see you all next time. Happy New Year. Bye bye. Bye bye. Who told? <laughs>